So settle us in, Lord. Settle us into your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this really marks and really just exciting day for me as your pastor because uh, this really kicks off a focus that we've been praying about for months now, even back into last year. We were really talking through our mission as a community here at Trinity, and you've heard that over and over again, but the core is this, that we're called to make disciple-makers of Jesus Christ. We're called to become disciple-makers, and we're called to go and reproduce ourselves spiritually. So as a staff and as deacons and as elders, we've been praying, how do we put that into practice? How do we implement that well? And actually, what has started with root groups came right out of that. It was an opportunity for us to gather in smaller groups and challenge each other to pursue the Lord more closely. But one of the things that came out of that prayer process is what we're going to begin today. And I just want to introduce you to a curriculum that's been really influential with me as a man and as a pastor. It's by a man named Dave Buring, and it's called A Discipleship Journey. And you'll be hearing a lot about this Uh, in the next few days and weeks and months going forward at Trinity. And what this is, is just an incredible one-on-one discipleship journey curriculum. And Dave has spent two decades now developing this curriculum to help men and women work with people one-on-one to just take them through the basics of the faith of what it means to be a Christian. He doesn't chase all these rabbit trails. He doesn't go in all these different denominational directions. What he just does is he lays out a bedrock by which anyone can understand, this is what I'm called to be as a disciple, this is what I should understand and walk in, and then it allows the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and the Word of God to build on that foundation to take us in any direction that he wants us to go. And so as we started praying about how do we make disciples, here's what we committed to do. We're going to use this curriculum as kind of our skeleton and our backbone for the next year and a half in our church to help communicate to you those core 12 principles and hopefully the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will take those and build that into each one of us as we grow in our pursuit of being a disciple of Jesus. Does that make sense? And here's how we want to see that unfold. You'll hear these things out of the pulpit every Sunday. We spend about a month on each one of those emphasis. And then the goal is hopefully you'll be able to take Maybe the going deeper that's in your bulletins, and you'll be able to spend individual time in the Word of God and with the Lord and follow up in what you heard here. That's what we designed the root groups for, so that you could gather with other men and women, and you could pray and worship, and then talk about what we're hearing in this room on Sundays, and begin to to chew that up a little bit more. Our youth are going to be talking about that. Our children's ministry are going to be talking about that in age-appropriate ways. And I just want to make sure that you're aware that uh, you can use this curriculum as well. So maybe you're interested in growing in your faith, but you're saying, you know, Pastor Matt, I just really don't know what to do or how to go forward. We've got men and women that would love to sit down one-on-one with you and walk through this curriculum with you and help you understand what it means to grow as a disciple. So if you're interested in that, you can call the church office, you can contact me. We'll find someone who will make some time to work with you But even if that seems an intimidating thing for you, you can get a hold of one of these books, and it's designed for you as an individual to be able to walk through this on your own. So what we'll do is next week, 
in the narthex we'll have some of these available for you they cost about ten dollars each but that's just what we're, we're charging you it's about 15 or 20 dollars as we order them um, but we want to make these more accessible to you so if you're interested you can bring ten dollars there uh, and have that or you can contact the church office we'll get one into your hands but this is the best thing that i've ever run across as a pastor to help you grow deeply in your faith apart from Scripture. Now, does it agree with absolutely everything I agree with theologically? No. But if I waited around to figure out the right curriculum that would cover all the bases, I would be here a long time, okay? But it really lines up what I think are the basics of our faith and our scriptural belief, and I think that's what's really important. So as we start today, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and open to 1 Samuel, okay? If you didn't bring a Bible with you, why don't you grab one of the blue Bibles in the pews? And you can follow along with me. 1 Samuel is on page 420 in the Blue Bible. And we're going to start just this first emphasis that this curriculum leads us to, and it's this, learning how to distinguish the voice of the Lord in our life. Now, here's why we're starting here. Because as we grow as disciples, here's what really brings about transformation. God gives us revelation. He shows us something about himself that we didn't know before. Maybe he shows it through scripture, or you hear it in the sermon, or maybe you're in your quiet time and you open up your devotional book, and something just jumps off the page to you that you haven't heard before. That's what we call revelation. God speaks to you in a way you haven't heard before. And when that happens, we have one of two choices. We can obey what God's shown us about himself and us, or we can walk away from that and disobey that. If we obey that revelation, it brings transformation in our life and we become a little bit more like Jesus in that moment. Sometimes the revelation is so powerful to us, we become a lot more like Jesus in that moment. It just depends on what the Lord has for us in His sovereignty. And so that's actually how we based our root group model, where we have, we're gathering hopefully for revelation as we meet, we have opportunities to obey that revelation, and that brings transformation. You get that? Root groups, R-O-O-T. You follow me? Good, good. No one's nodding because I guess you're tired this morning. You can't be more tired than your pastor. I just ran Presbytery for three days, okay? You can't be more tired than I am, all right? But I want us to begin with this idea of, Pastor Matt, if the Lord is wanting to speak to me, how can I discern and figure out that that's really him. And I know why this is a little unnerving for us, because if you've grown up in church in any period of time, or maybe you've been around religious things, you've run across sooner or later someone that very boldly will tell you that the voice of the Lord has spoken to them and, and that they know very clearly that the Lord has spoken to them. And that's very good, except when uh, what they say turns out to be wrong. Or when they say something to you and then it just does not pan out that way, and then that becomes very unnerving because then you're thinking, well, did they really hear from the Lord or are they messed up or am I messed up or did it, whatever else it is. Listen, I get why it's intimidating, but I want to encourage you. You can't let the enemy's misuse of other people keep you from pressing into the voice of the Lord. You can't do that. There's too much that God wants to say to us through the Word of God, through the people of God, through the Holy Spirit of God, to hold back in fear. We can't do that. What we need to do is learn how to discern, is this the voice of the Lord or is this something I ate at Taco Bell last night? Is this the voice of the Lord or does that person a psychobilly ninja? We need to be able to figure that out. And over the next month, I think we'll have some tools 
to be able to discern that. So I want to start in 1 Samuel, because I think this is a great picture of what it's like to learn how to distinguish the voice of the Lord for ourselves as followers of Christ. Can I give us a little bit of background? Most of us are familiar with at least Moses leading Israel out of Egypt, and then they wander in the desert for 40 years. At the end of that, God raises up Joshua to lead Israel into the promised land. That takes about 100 years. And then when they get settled, they got a little complacent, so they did not unearth and, and un, you know, unroot all of the, the nations that were there, and those nations called trouble for them. So as they got their land, and while they're inhabiting those things, they started walking away from the Lord, started following other idols, and when that happened, God allowed them to be under the power of their enemies. So for periods of time, a nation would rise up and would oppress Israel even in their own land. And then God would rise up these men and women who were called judges that would lead them to these great victories over their enemies. You remember that from the book of Judges? You'll see like Samson and Gideon and Deborah and Ehud, all those great judges. But what would happen is as soon as the judge dies, the people go right back into disobedience again and get oppressed again. We're right at the tail end of all that. So the book of Judges is over. Now we're in 1 Samuel, and it marks, it's marked with the birth of Samuel. So he's this young man that his mother Hannah prayed for. She wasn't able to have children. She prays to God, Lord, if you'll open my womb, I will dedicate that child to you. And God answered her prayers. Samuel comes into the world, and by the time he's weaned, now think about how young he was, his mom takes him to the tabernacle and drops him off to be raised by the priest. Now, moms, how many of y'all could do that? Church workers, how many of you would like to have a three-year-old dropped off? For us to raise here at the church that's a little scary for me but that's what happened with samuel so he gets raised at the tabernacle under the tutelage of the high priest whose name is eli now you need to know this eli even though he was the priest in charge of the tabernacle was a wicked man his sons also worked at the tabernacle and his sons would do this when people would come to bring their offerings to the lord they would steal some of those offerings and steal some of the fat, and they wouldn't sacrifice the animals in the proper way, which was detestable to the Lord. And if that was not enough, sometimes women would come to the tabernacle to be ministered to, and they would sleep with those women using their power to take advantage of them. That was Eli's sons. So God pronounced judgment on Eli and said, because you've dishonored me and you've loved your sons more than me and you failed to restrain your sons, I will bring judgment on your house and on you and your boys because you didn't honor me as priest. And this is the man that Eli, uh, that Samuel is raised under. Isn't that interesting? But Samuel is raised as a young man. I don't know how old he is, but in, in Israel, if you're 12, you're a man. So I'm going to guess like seven to eight, nine years old when this story occurs. But look at what takes place. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. And in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, that could mean that God was intentionally not speaking to his people very much during this time. But I have a little bit different take on that. I think that there was so much idolatry in Israel and there was so much unfaithfulness to the Lord, there were people who just didn't want to hear from the Lord. Not only that, if the man who is in charge of the spiritual well-being of your people, Eli, is so wicked, 
and the priests under him are that wicked, doesn't it make sense that God's just not really speaking to his people? There's not really people around who want to honor him and hear his voice. So look at what it says in verse 2. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called to Samuel. And Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. And he went and lay down. So did you catch what happened? Samuel hears an audible voice that he believes is Eli. It was probably Samuel's practice to help Eli in that way because it sounds like he was going blind. So I'm sure that Samuel was probably like his gopher to go get things for him or help him, whatever, in his duties or whatever. So when he thinks he hears Eli coming, he jumps right up in the middle of the night and he runs to Eli. But Eli said, I, di I didn't call you. So verse 6, again the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. And now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's a very key idea as we talk about this this morning. However young he was, he had been raised in the tabernacle. He had learned all the machinations of what it means to be a priest and to serve God's people. He had learned about God from a factual standpoint, how you approach God, all of those things. But the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel. And the way Hebrews talks about it is, in the Hebrew language it says, the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now you know what it does not say. It does not say that God had not yet spoke to him. It says the word of God had not yet re revealed to him. That's different. God had already spoken to him twice before that, right? But he did not understand what was being spoken to him by God because God had not given him revelation. He had not uncovered so he could understand what was happening there? Samuel went through all the machinations of being grown up in the tabernacle but did not know the Lord. It's kind of like this, how many of us can grow up in church and we can go through our children's program and we can do all kinds of videos and songs. We can learn about the Lord, maybe even in the youth group, even in the young adulthood, whatever it is. But we can be familiar with the things of God, but we, we don't really know the Lord yet. Like, we don't understand him as a person that wants a relationship with us, that loves us, and that died individually for us to cleanse us from our sin. We haven't really crossed that barrier yet. God has to give us revelation there. But notice the process for Samuel. Down to verse 8. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Would you pay attention to this? Isn't this interesting? Eli didn't hear God call Samuel. Who was supposed to be able to hear when God spoke in that tabernacle? It was Eli. Guess who heard him? The eight-year-old. Parents, listen, grandparents, God forbid, God forbid that the Lord begin to speak to our children because he's not able to speak through us to our children. Here's what I want to say, and this is why we're committed to multi-generational ministry at Trinity. I believe that when people get saved, 
people can't understand the word of God. They can learn scripture. God can speak to them. He can lead them in their life. No matter how young they are, they may make mistakes. But listen, I want us to be a community where from the oldest to the youngest, as we've entered into a relationship with Jesus, the Lord can speak to us and we can be blessed and benefited. I don't want to see the Lord have to speak to our younger generation because we won't step up. Listen, we have men and women that walk with the Lord. Young people, if you want to learn what it is to walk with the Lord, I can introduce you to some saints in this room, like Susan said, who were here when you were a teenager, and they'll be around long after that. Listen, they know how to read Scripture. They know how to listen to the voice of the Lord. I would go spend time with them. I'd go to their house. I'd eat lunch with them. I would ask them about what you're learning about the Lord. You'd be stunned the treasures they have for you. You'd be stunned. It's so weird to me that Eli couldn't hear the voice of the Lord. But he started to catch on. He's like, maybe God's speaking to Samuel. So this is what he says, verse 9. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there. Isn't that an interesting picture? I mean, we don't think of God physically coming and standing in someone's presence in the Old Testament, but look at what he says. It says the Lord comes and stands there and calls at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Great, Lord. Man, what an amazing thing. I'm ready. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Verse 12. At that time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about, because his sons blasphemed God, and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Wow, that's your first revelation from the Lord, isn't it? Man, that'll really move you. What do you think the eight-year-old was thinking then? Verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning, and I bet he didn't get much sleep. And then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and he was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Wouldn't you be? But Eli called to him and said, Samuel, my son. And Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, Do not hide it from me. And may God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide anything from me that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And then Eli said, He's the Lord. Let him do what's good in his eyes. Verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Now that's a Hebrew idiom, and it can mean a couple things. It can either mean that Samuel grew up as a young man whose speech was pure before other people, so that when he spoke, he never spoke things that were inappropriate or whatever else it is, but in the context, it can also mean this. When Samuel spoke about the Lord, it was right. And I think it's backed up with what it says here in verse 20. 
and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba. That's the Israelite way of saying Dan, which is up to the north of Israel, the very northern city of Israel, to Beersheba, which is all the way at the very bottom of the south. That means all of Israel. From Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was a prophet, and he was attested of by the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear to, to him at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So this was not the end of God speaking to Samuel. This was the beginning of a movement in Samuel's life in which he discerned the voice of the Lord and was faithful to speak it to God's people. By the way, if you'd like a prayer to pray over your children as they grow, you can't do much worse than 1 Samuel 3.19. That the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. I try to pray that over my children when it comes to mine. It's a great blessing over our children. So I just want to encourage us to do this. It's going to be so key for us to be able in life to discern the voice of the Lord as we walk through life in the circumstances we're in. I just encourage us, we've got to dig deep into this now. So I would encourage you to write some notes down and be able to study this on your own because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to help get some, some handholds on what it's like to know it's God's voice and know it's not and be able to test it with Scripture and do all of those things. But you can grow in your ability to discern God's voice. You absolutely can. You have what it takes, and I'll tell you why you have what it takes. Not because you're some spiritual ninja. You have what it takes because you have this in your fingertips. You have the very Word of God in your heart language to be able to read and study, and you have the very God Himself who breathed into this, the Holy Spirit, living in you, which means you have what it takes to hear His voice and understand it's Him. You can do this, but it'll take some work. So, let me challenge you with a few ideas. First thing is this, when it comes to discerning the voice of the Lord. God always speaks first. God always speaks first. In Samuel's interaction with God, Samuel didn't start the night out in prayer and like, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? He laid down, and what did God do? He said, Samuel... We kind of get things mixed up. We think that if we start having a hunger for the Lord or a desire to read His Word or maybe to get plugged into church or maybe a coworker has been talking to us about uh, Jesus and their walk with Jesus and maybe I need to, to figure that out and maybe I need to think about my spiritual life or whatever. We think that that's because we're smart or we're, we're perceptive or whatever. No, that's God speaking to you. He is calling to you just like He was calling to Samuel in a different way. He's saying, I want your attention. I want to talk to you about life. I have something for you. God always speaks first. Our life is response to what God speaks to us. Are you with me? You will never hit your knees in prayer. Listen to me. But you will be responding to God. The first word is always God. By the way, the first word of your salvation, the thing that brings you from death to life, the first word of your salvation is not the one you speak. It's the one the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart to bring you back from the dead. We respond to what he's done. God always goes first. You remember in 1 John, John said this, we love because he first loved us. He didn't say we love because we're awesome. He says, you know, God loved us first. So then we say, oh, that's what it's like to be loved. Okay, so, so I love. God always goes first. And praise God, are we being a pickle? 
If God didn't go first, we'd be in trouble. Number two, God wants us to discern and understand his voice even more than we do. I said this last week about making him our source. He wants to be our source even more than we want him to be. It's the same principle with this. He wants you to be able to discern his voice even more than you want to discern his voice. He's going to move heaven and earth to help you understand when it's him speaking because he has so many things to teach us through his word, through his people, through the Holy Spirit. He has so many things he has for us, and he wants you to get it. He wants you to get it. Number three, though God speaks in a variety of ways to each of his children, he always speaks in a way that we can know it's him speaking. This is why God is so good to us. He makes sure that when he speaks to us, he does it in a way that we can know it's him speaking. It's just a really interesting idea for me in this passage. When God first spoke to Samuel, who did it sound like? Eli. Why? Because Eli's voice was the voice that Samuel was most familiar with. And so God spoke to Samuel in a way that he could begin to hear the Lord's voice, even though it wasn't Eli. God is speaking to us. I'm telling you, he's speaking to you. And what you don't realize is he's been speaking to you through your mama. He's been speaking to you through your coworker. He's been speaking to you through Caleb because for whatever reason, two weeks ago, you decided you'd start listening to Christian music instead of high country or whatever else it is. You just decided, I'm going to start doing that. And you start hearing these songs. You're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that about life. I didn't know that about Jesus. God is speaking. He's speaking, and he's so good to us. He speaks in a way that we can understand it until we grow to be able to discern it. I'll prove it to you. When I was 14, this was my experience. I was living with my dad. My parents were uh, divorced, and I would spend summers with my, with my dad in Tampa, Florida. And um, I was there by myself, and um, I, was, I was just really having a hard time. I was bored. It was, uh, Tampa's really hot. It rains every single day at like 245, and it makes everything really humid and gross. And it was just blazing. I mean, I grew up in Wilmington. I thought Wilmington was hot. Wilmington is nothing compared to Tampa. It was just oppressive. So as a 14-year-old, I was trying to grow in my faith, and I had this amazing youth group back home in Wilmington. But I didn't get to do anything in the summer with them because I was down in Tampa hanging out in oppressive, hot, humid weather. And at that period of time, I was trying to, just trying to pursue the Lord. I was reading Scripture, and my parents, my, my dad, my stepmother, who were not walking with the Lord at the time, they actually started going to church because I was like, I want to go to church. If I'm going to be down here, I want to go to church. And so there was this period of time I was just really uh, just struggling with being there, and I started to sense maybe I need to go home. Maybe I've, I've been spending summers with my dad, but maybe I need to go home and I need to go back to Wilmington because there's all these things going on in our youth ministry. Maybe I need to go and be a part of that, and I was wrestling with that. And I, my mom called me one day, and we were just talking, and she said, how are you doing? And I just said, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I just feel weary. I just feel weary. Now, I don't know if you have a 14-year-old in your house, but they probably don't use the word weary very often. I didn't use it back then. I still don't know to this day why weary is what came out of my mouth, but that is what I told my mom. I feel weary. She said, well, you know, baby, I'll be praying about that. You know, hang in there, you know, just enjoy yourself down there, spend some time with your dad, you know. 
And I don't remember what day of the week that was, but I do know that weekend we went to church. And I don't know where this church is, but it's in Tampa, and that probably narrows it down. It was a Baptist church. And I, I know we had never been there before. And I don't remember what was preached. I'm sorry, preacher, whoever you are, I don't remember what was preached. But I do remember this. We were sitting in a pew, and they were singing hymns. So young people, hymns are these things that we used to, used to pick these books up. It looked like the Bible. It's not the Bible. But you open it, and then they have the songs written down in there. And there was these old ancient songs that people used to sing to the Lord. Um, but there was a song that we're singing, and it's uh, Softly and Tenderly. Have you ever heard that, that hymn? It goes something like this. I'll try it. No, no promises. I'm going to try it. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. So pause right there. I didn't know what a portal was back then. Portal's a doorway, right, or a hallway. Am I right about that? That wasn't the part that caught my attention. Here's the part that caught my attention. You ready, 14-year-old? Here's what caught my attention. Come home. Come home, ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, O sinner, come home. Now, I didn't like the sinner part, but I, I knew that he was talking to me. I knew in that moment as a 14-year-old. I knew when I left that worship service, Jesus wanted me to come home. Because Jesus made sure that he lined up a church I had never been to to sing a song that I knew as a kid at the exact right moment, the week I asked the Lord, should I come home? And the word that came out of my mouth, of everything that could come out of my mouth, it was weary. Jesus knew what was going on. And I'm promising you, if you're intimidated by learning to discern the voice of the Lord in your life, he is going to rush in to help you. He's going to rush in to help you. And he's probably already helping you discern some things in this moment in this room that he's been speaking to you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, that was the voice of the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. Man, he loves you. Verse 4. I'm sorry, number 4, not verse 4. Discerning the voice of God is a path to be walked. It's not a destination to arrive at. I think that as we grow in our ability to discern the voice of the Lord, I think that sometimes it creates arrogance in us. And it creates pride and hubris. And this is what happens because we've discerned the voice of the Lord correctly in the past. We stop really sitting before him and we just assume everything we perceive or every circumstance everything we believe God's saying is 100% right. We stop depending on the word of God. We stop listening to other people. We stop being in communities of faith, and we start stop sitting under preaching and accountability and those kind of things, and we go off the rails. Listen to me. You should never have fear submitting to the people of God anything that you believe God's saying to you. And I would say this. 
if you submit to the people of God anything that you believe the Lord's saying to you, especially young people, listen to me. Teenagers, uh, young adults, 20-year-olds, if you're trying to discern the voice of the Lord, you should have no fear submitting to what you believe the Lord's saying to someone in authority over you. It is a safeguard for you. And I have news for you. If you speak to your mom and dad, if they walk with the Lord and they, they know him and they love him, and you say, Mom, I think Jesus is telling me to do this, and they say, listen, I don't sense that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm praying for you. I don't sense that's the Lord. Or you sit and you talk to one of your good friends who walks with the Lord, and they're like, I, I mean, I, that just seems a little off to me. Or you, you talk maybe to your youth minister or a volunteer or a Sunday school teacher or something like that, and they're like, uh, I mean, that, that seems a little off to me. Listen, I would pay attention to that. Here's why. Because it's more of an art than it is a science. Like, you're learning, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We have the boundaries of the Word of God. We have the community of faith. That's why God gives us those, those things. But we should be in submission to them. We should be in submission to them. We can't afford to go off on our own and just think we're a lone ranger on this. There's big-time danger with that because the Holy Spirit is not the only spirit that speaks to people. Well, Pastor Matt, I'm a believer. Uh, an evil spirit would never speak to me. Oh, oh, really? Oh, really? Listen, you get away from the Word of God. You get away from the Word of God and you see what happens. This is why pastors will say, well, you know, I divorced my wife because God told me to. You know, she just, she, she just wasn't spiritual enough. I mean, she just didn't support my ministry, and, and the Lord just spoke to me. Uh, you should divorce her. And uh, there's, fortunately, there's this cute girl in the choir, and she does walk with Jesus. And the Lord spoke to me, I should marry her. Jesus didn't speak to you. That was not Jesus. Because the same God in Malachi that says, I hate divorce, is the same one that you think you're hearing, and they're not going to tell you two different things. Malachi is the very word of God spoken by the very Holy Spirit of God that you say you're hearing from. And if the word of God doesn't line up with what you think you're hearing, the word of God's not wrong, baby. You are. You are. So we need to be careful and make sure we submit ourselves to each other. Number five, the Lord speaks most clearly and consistently to those who are most willing to obey his voice. Listen, Jesus doesn't speak to us just for our entertainment. That's how it happens. We have, like, sports shows now. I love some of them where, like, they just talk to each other for an hour and a half. They love that. But God doesn't talk to us for our entertainment. He talks to us because he has a plan. He wants to show us who he is, what he's doing, what he's doing in the world, how we should align with that, how things should change in our life. He speaks to us so we will obey him. And what I have found, the people he speaks to most consistently are the ones who obey him the most the ones who obey him the most. And this is what I've also found. God tends to hold back revelation from us until we start obeying the last thing he told us to do. So sometimes he'll tell you something, you're like, yeah, uh, that's a little hard. I don't know if I want to go talk to that person. And he starts to reinforce it with it. Yeah, I want you, I want you to go talk to that person. And it's in the word, you know, make things right with your neighbor, things like that. He starts reinforcing it, but you're like, nah, it's just too hard. I'm not going to do that. Don't expect God to keep speaking if we're not going to obey with what he has spoken. We've got to start there and move forward with that. When we obey, he speaks to us more. And number six, this is what I found. God speaks to those who are prioritizing listening to him. You know what? You do the same thing. 
I promise you the best friends in your life, the people you love to hang around with the most, the people you're going to invite to go to lunch or do whatever, are the people that you connect with the most and who prioritize you, who prioritize your time, who prioritize your heart and your thoughts and, and things that are important to you. None of us like to be around people who it's all about them. That drives you crazy, doesn't it? When it's all about them, you take them to lunch and you talk for 45 minutes and three of them, you get to talk about what's going on. The other 42 was them telling you how awesome their life is. Nobody wants to do that. Listen, God tends to speak to those who are the most willing to listen, to listen to him. Samuel was willing to listen. So as we close today, I just want to challenge you with a couple things. First question, what did the Lord speak to you today? Through the word of God, through the praise and worship, through the prayers earlier, through what someone said when you walked in the door, when you were in Sunday school this morning, when you were getting ready and your mama said something to you, when you were watching something on television at night, what did the Lord speak to you? And the second question is, how are you going to obey it? What did he say, and how are you going to obey it? And if you want the Lord to begin to speak to you through the word and through his, through his spirit, all those things, listen. I just, I encourage you to say the same thing Samuel did. Here you go, you ready? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And who knows what he may say? Who knows what he may say? Let's stand. Let's respond to the Lord in any way he wants to speak to us now. We have our praise and worship team that's going to be coming. They're going to lead us in this time. Our elders and their wives will be around if you want someone to pray with. I've had the Lord speak to me through these elders and these women before. Maybe you want to pray with them. Whatever's happening, let's respond to what the Lord is speaking to us.